You're listening to the Fun Employment Radio Network. Future of Radio. The I think how nervous and out of place I felt yesterday has transferred over to today. It has. Like, You're still, a little twitchy I just, today. I feel like I just I don't fit in. I feel like so weird, and I, I can't like. Oh, it was it was. Well, and we have a really, world famous really author coming we in. We have a world famous author coming in. Yeah. You know, and but yesterday going to this event, I knew from the second I got into line, I'm like. Okay, I'm underdressed and I'm out of place. This is going to be well. Bad. I described. I might have described your wardrobe because I did drop you off what? at you, the party boat. What did you tell people <laughs> you, that I was fancily dressed in my tuxedo? <laughs> I said I might or might not have seen you wearing a beanie, and you might or might not have had a hole in I your didn't jeans. Know there was a hole in the jeans when I showed up. <laughs> oh, it was so embarrassing. Hello, everyone. This is Fun Employment Radio. I'm Greg Nibbler here with Sarah X. Dillon. Thank you so much for tuning in today, wherever and however you listen. It is so fantastic that you do so. Of course, we are live here five days a week out of Portland. Oregon on the Fun Employment Radio Network and then available via podcast all over the internet. It's like you're trying to talk like really evenly paced because you feel crazy. Wherever podcasts can be found. It's like someone who's really drunk trying to sound like they're sober. And thank you for finding us. We (laughs) love each and every one of you. all so right. Greg Sober is trying right. to pretend to be mentally Greg sane sober. right now. I, yeah. No, no, I'm saying the, the comparison is like you pretending to be sober is like you pretending to try and be I sane. I don't like any implications you're, you're putting into this. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's just say this, though. We did mention the world-famous author who's going to be joining us. It's our friend Ryan White. It's been a few years since we've had Ryan It on. has. It's been a couple of years. I don't think he's been to this newer studio. So he's going to be coming in, and he is the author of a brand-new book that is now out. You can buy it pretty much anywhere from what I understand. Anywhere, I mean, and it's, it's, it's like a big cover. deal. It is. Yeah, it's a very big deal. And it's called Springsteen Album by Album. And uh, we'll have him describe everything that it is. But uh, essentially, based on uh, the description from Amazon. I'm well, I know what it is. I have it. right? Oh, I had already copied and pasted it. I yeah. thought I would be more prepared than you. I said, oh, okay, am I doing it? With in-depth explorations of 17 studio albums spanning over 40 years of music history, Springsteen is the, the definitive book on the boss Bruce Springsteen stands astride the rock and roll stage like a colossus. I love this. This is awesome. It's, so grandiose. it's pretty amazing. Renowned for his passionate songwriting, galvanizing live shows, and political activism, the iconic rocker shows no signs of slowing down. I want to know if, if Ryan wrote this or if somebody else wrote this. I don't know. Because it's, it's pretty amazing. Richly photographed and, and featuring brilliant writing by one of America's top music critics, as well as a foreword by Peter Ames Carlin, oh, author of the Peter's best-selling great. biography, Bruce. This is a must-have for Springsteen's I don't think he fans. wrote it because when my sister worked for an online... My sister worked for Zoo Lily. It's like a, it's like for ladies, mostly like pregnant ladies. But that was her job is to do the copywriting for all of the products that they had. Oh, okay. So like the color writing, like you know, like oh, you'll feel zesty and this one of a kind. I, I floral think Ryan's. Scarf. I'm not because this is entirely true, but I think Ryan would be entirely too humble to write featuring brilliant writing by one of America's. By me, I mean one of America's top music critics. Yeah, I, I think somebody else probably. Wrote yeah, I that don't for see him. Ryan White writing. The, I mean, because he is a brilliant writer, but he wouldn't write that about himself. Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm saying. Yes. Yes. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying. Oh my God, you're gone like being rich one day and all of a sudden we can't communicate? It's like you've been rubbing shoulders with the the topper most of the popper I was rubbing shoulders with some high society, I'll say that. So all right, let's talk about what yesterday was. So of course I was gone uh, just for the day and thank you to Sarah and Aaron for uh, doing, I'm sure, an awesome show. I will admit I have not listened to it yet. Oh, you don't need to. I'm afraid of what to listen to. You don't have to. It's no big deal. What happens when I'm not here? Aaron and I did have a wonderful time though, I have to say. We had a lot of fun. Probably a lot of it at your expense, but a lot of fun. No, that's entirely. I'm sure that that wouldn't mm-hmm. be wouldn't be what's happening. You and your sample eating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So let me explain what I was doing yesterday. So I went to a uh, very fancy holiday party. So, so as you know, you know this is our main job doing fun employment radio and all of that. But then we have side jobs, and this is one of my 18 million side jobs, and that is that I occasionally work for the events at the Portland Art Museum. So Portland Art Museum, it's a, it's a pretty big museum here, and they have the museum side, but then there's also an event side, which is this giant building full of ballrooms, and they have events there usually in the evening. I occasionally work at those and just help facilitate. I'm security. 
Uh, that's that's pretty much what I do. So I, I stand there and just make sure people don't touch you the look art. Tough. And then, no, don't touch those stone penises. <laughs> that's that's don't pretty. You dare. That's pretty much what I do. I tell people mm-hmm. not to touch the stone penises. Literally, that's I tell people not to do that every every time there's an event there. So I, I do that on occasion, and um, I guess I worked there enough that I was invited to the art museum's holiday party. Well, which, hot dog, which took place yesterday on the Portland Spirit, and the Portland Spirit is um, one of the one of the big fancy basically a like party boats. It's like three stories fits three, four hundred people probably on it. It's a pretty and, big boat. Yeah, and it goes up and down the Willamette and then up to the Columbia and stuff like that. It's really, really cool. And uh, I got invited to go on to this. Now, since I work just occasionally at the museum, and, and usually it's at night, I don't really encounter many people who, who work there during the day. Like the regular people that are that are eight hours a day the working day during the day. The day-to-day folk, if you will. The day-to-day folk. You know, all the office and all the staff. I've never even met them, and they don't know who I am either. So I'm kind of a random face. I know my, my night people that are there when I'm there. You know, that, that's your why Your night I know. warriors? Yeah. Is that what you guys call? Or is that no. your gang of night rangers? No, nobody calls. We do not call ourselves night warriors, although maybe I'll try to try to institute that from now on. Uh, so, so I know just like a handful of people, but there are hundreds of people that work for the museum. So I would say there was probably at least a couple hundred people there. And Wow, that many? Oh, yeah, at least. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty big organization. Well, I guess so. It's a pretty big thing. And so... Well, that makes more sense as to why you were invited. <laughs> they had to. So <laughs> I showed up there and... All right, here's the thing. I was thinking it was during the daytime. You know, it's on a boat and uh, there was... I'll, I'll go through what, what goes on on the boat and all that stuff. I didn't think about the fact that maybe I should have, like, dressed up, like, because when I'm normally there, I, I wear slacks and, like, a nice shirt and stuff like that. But I was like, oh, no, this is relaxing holiday party time, right? You let your hair down and— In what and, history of corporate holiday parties has a holiday party been relaxing? Well, I didn't think about it. And so I showed up in, in jeans. I didn't realize there was a hole in the jeans. It's a very tiny hole, and it was one by the pocket. But, yes, I did happen to wear my jeans with a hole in them. And and a stocking cap and you know and pretty uh, pretty cash casual. I was like, yeah, this is going to be a party. And I, I showed up there, and so I, you get in line to go on, and they like put you on because there's so many people. It's like, oh it goes god. In so waves. what was it like approaching? Is it like because uh, I was comparing it yesterday to as if like I, I maybe I brought up the fact that you were a little like maybe I shouldn't go. I don't think I should go. I was rather nervous. I don't really, I don't really know anybody. It's all right. I'm just going to go and do the show. Everything's fine. You don't need to take me there. I was, and I made Greg get out of the car. I'm like, you go and do this. I, this is your job. I was more <laughs> nervous about this than than anything I've done in a long time. And I don't. I guess the reason was, is I was afraid that I would be on there and I would know no one and it would just be really awkward. And let me tell you, I'll, I'll, I'm just going to go through step by step of how this worked out. I will say this: in the end, it was awesome. But going through it. I'm standing there in line and and realizing, oh, I'm not dressed right for this. And it's all these very high up people that are standing in line in front of me, kind of glancing back and giving them a look like, huh. How did this homeless guy get in the line? I don't know who that guy is. Uh, Well, good thing they have security here to check that. And so so I wait in line. I don't know anyone, so I'm not talking to anyone, just standing there by myself. And, no, I uh, bet you were just staring at your phone. I, I did because it was very awkward, mm. and I could I could really tell right away. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to know anybody. This is going to be so so incredibly awkward for me, and I'm freaking myself out way more than anything else. So we get on there, we get in the uh, get in the line. I walk onto the boat, and um, <laughs> okay, I'll, actually, I'll even back it up. As I'm standing in line waiting to get on, one of the one of the crew people from the from the ship. He just looks at me, and I think he saw me as like, okay, yeah, you don't seem One of these quite things like these. is not like the other. And he's like, hey, uh, so where is the art museum anyway? I'm like, oh, uh, it's in the park blocks. <gasps> I s- he was asking you the security questions that you usually ask people to see if they're sneaking into something? Well, I don't know if that's what he was doing or not. <laughs> he might have been trying to screen me. And and the thing is, I for some reason, I forgot the actual address. I'm just like, it's in the park blocks. That's not a very accurate description if you're from Portland. There's a lot of things in the park blocks. So I didn't even give the right address. But nonetheless, I made it on. So I get on there, and you have to check in, and, and you say your name. And, um, and, you know, and then they give you, like, an envelope with your, um, your money. They have, like, a, a whole casino thing set up, uh, which I'll explain that, too. And... <laughs> You know, and I don't know anybody that's doing the check-ins. And I'm like, yeah, my last name's Nibbler. And she starts looking through the envelopes, and she she clearly could not find me. I'm like, yeah, N-I-B-L-E-R, and I start spelling it. And she's going through them and going through them, 
doesn't see it and goes back through them. I'm like, oh my god, my envelope's not going to be in here. Oh, this is, is... going to become a thing. There, there's going to be an instant. Well, we don't have any proof. Do you have any ID? And then I'm not going to have my pass because I don't have my museum pass with me. And it's just going to turn into this really awkward situation where they're going to have to ask me to leave until they can get a hold of someone. And this is what's going through my mind. And as that as that's going on, finally she finds it and she's like, "Okay, is your your first name Greg? It's Greg." I'm like, "Yes, no, my name's Greg." She's like, "Okay," and then hands me. <laughs> I don't know. She might have intentionally been messing with me. I I wasn't. I couldn't tell. I'm not thinking if she's trying to you know shuffle through hundreds of people that she's going to take the time to mess with you. Greg. Yeah, yeah. So so she didn't know who I was, and which is fine, but just couldn't find my find me on there. Um. So anyway, I get my stuff, and then I walk on, and I'm like, okay, I know about eight people that work here. Three of them are my bosses, and the other five are- Who don't want to hang out with you, probably. Well, I mean, no offense, because they're like, it's the, it's the hierarchy. It's the hierarchy. There's, <laughs> and there is. There's hierarchies. And I'm like, okay, I got to find- I got to find- uh, Maybe I'm hoping some of the people I work with at night, but you know, a lot of them have day jobs, too. I'm like, I'm hoping they're going to be here and I can find them because that, you know, that's my people that I can, I can go hang out with them. I'll feel okay with that. And I start walking through, through this thing and it's got it all set up with like very fancy chairs and tables. There's people walking around with, as of course I would call them samples, which are our hors d'oeuvres. I didn't, I did forget my manners and I did call them samples at one point. I'm like, You'd- oh, who has the samples? Was it's it, my habit to call them samples. Did you say that in front of somebody, or were, was it something you said in your mind? You said it. To I somebody, said it, and then I just you? tried to tried to like slough it off. And like just you were like joking. Anything, like, like <laughs> <laughs> free samples, right? <laughs> aren't they aren't they called free samples? But they're but they're free, right? <laughs> that was the main thing that I was concerned with. Yeah, and uh, and so so I'm 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 walking through there. There's these people doing that. and There's people in line for food, and there's all these chairs and tables, and I start walking through. I'm like. Oh, I don't recognize anybody. Oh my in god, there. it's like a high school cafeteria all over again. Yeah, and I'm looking through, and I don't know anybody. And then finally, I do see the one table, and it's my bosses that are there, and they're all talking to other people, and they're they're nice people. So it's not like I don't want to hang out with them, but they're clearly they have their own conversations going and with their day to days, and and, and they're all probably dressed pretty de- pretty nicely. Yes, they were. And I walk up to them like, "Hey guys, hi," and just kind of stand there like, "Oh hi, Greg." I'm like, um. Is anybody sitting here? And there was a, there was an empty chair at the end, but somebody was sitting there. They had just gotten up, oh, and God. they're like, um, "Well, yeah, somebody's sitting there." Um, but why don't you why don't you just grab another chair and pull one up? I'm like, oh, okay, I'll go I'll go find another chair. And this is where it got really awkward. So I started walking around the room, and I'm looking for empty chairs. And now keep in mind, I don't know any of these people, and I'm not dressed like them. They're all fancy job people. And I, I look around, and I'm like, okay, Dress there's... for the job you want, Greg, not the job you have. Well, uh, yeah, I clearly should have. I realize this. And so I start walking around the tables, and I'm like, oh, there's an empty chair. And I walk up. Oh, no, somebody's purse is on that. Okay. Um, nobody's somebody's sitting there. Oh, there's another one. Oh, somebody's, somebody's jacket is on that. Oh, somebody's got a drink there. And finally, I see one chair that's empty. And, and is it were... like when somebody like at the that scene of Forrest Gump when like Forrest is little and he's going on the bus and everyone's like taken Con- and like he's trying to sit somewhere kind of and, like, only taken. I mean, people weren't saying that to me but that's what was going on in my mind like they didn't no none of these people actually did anything I'm just like oh no that's taken I'm just panicking because I'm like okay if I can't find You're a chair making people in the chat feel awkward right like, now like if I can't find a chair to go to the table that the people I know I don't know what I'm gonna do and there's nowhere to sit like this is gonna be I'm just gonna stand there I'm gonna stand in a corner. And so I, so I look around. Finally, I see this one chair that is empty. There's nothing. There's no drink or or a purse on it or a coat or anything. I'm like, okay, well, I bet I bet these people they have an extra chair. And I walk up. I'm like, hi, is is anyone using this chair? And the one guy did the look of like the usual look when somebody asks for a chair. Like, I think he's going through his mind. Like, I don't think so. I don't, but I, do I want to sit re- next to this dude? I don't know. Yeah, and I'm like, because I was going to take it over there. And and I think he was about ready to say yeah, but then the woman across from him just looks at me and she's like, yeah, no, we're using it. I'm like, oh, so you are? And it was loud, so I was, so I had to like reconfirm. So I'm like, so you, so you are? So I can take it, or you are using it? No, we're no, we're we're using it. We're using it. I'm like, oh, oh, okay, yeah, no, that's fine. I'm just, all right. I'll just. Keep this is like the around. saddest story ever. Keep walking, and I and I couldn't find one. I could not find a chair. And finally, I get to the very back corner, and I'm like, "Well, I guess I might as well get a beer." 
that this is the way it's going to go. And, you know, and it was, um, I mean, it was very nice. It was a really awesome party because it was free, free beer and wine. And, uh, and so I walked back to the bartender and I got a beer. I'm like, well, at least I can, I can have a beer as I'm walking around here in the corner with my hole in my jeans, clearly not fitting in with a stocking cap. Nobody else is wearing a stocking cap. And then... What shoes were you wearing? There's no empty... You were wearing sneakers, weren't you? I was wearing my Vans because I thought it was going to be casual. I thought it was going to be casual! Alright, at least tell me one thing. Just tell me... Were you at least wearing a button-up shirt? I thought you were... Are you making that up? No, I was wearing a button-up shirt. I had to think about it for a second. Yes. I was wearing a nice button-up shirt. I mean, not a formal button-up shirt, but it, it was nice. It was clean. It was clean. Good color, light blue. And so so I'm just standing there with my beer trying to get not get in anyone's way. I'm like, oh man, this is oh and then finally I saw my salvation, which was my people back in the very back corner. Your, who are your people? Were they all also My people are the people that also work at the events and work at night and don't know anybody else as much. And and they no, they were dressed nice. It was it was me. I I'm the one who didn't understand that there was a Dress code. I, I'm just, I, I'm just kind of baffled because I'm. Why? You're, you're not a stupid person. I'm not. No, but you work at the Portland Art Museum, which is fancy. But it was on a party boat. It's on the Portland Spirit, which is what people lease, you know, for like weddings and all different kinds of fancy yeah. stuff. You know, you knew it was going to be a holiday themed party. Yeah. I just, in any way, I just don't understand why it didn't occur to you to not wear jeans with holes in them or Vans. Yeah. Well, the whole thing, that was a rush. Uh, they Chris, was, everything was clean. Kristen, the chat points out, announcing that you wore a clean shirt is perhaps not as much of an achievement as it sounds like to you. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Greg. So I find my people, and I'm just like, okay. And there's there's nowhere to sit, because they, they were all packed in there. I'm like, uh, care if I have, uh, I'm going to find a chair. I'm going to squeeze in here. And they're like, yeah, all right, all right. They, they were all cool. So I did, I finally found an extra chair. I well, tried that's to, the point, like, when you're just like, all right, I've done this enough, like, you're stop being polite. You're just like, I'm getting a chair and I'm sitting no, here. I found one happening. and I don't even know if I was supposed to take it, but it was back kind of behind the bar. I'm just like, I, at this point, I don't want to be the guy standing anymore. I know some people, I'm just taking it. Do it. I just kind of walked behind the bar and I took the chair. Mm-hmm. And I went and sat down. And then I was like, okay. I found my people. All right. This is this is going to be okay. It's going to be all right. You're not making too much of an embarrassment of yourself. Hopefully this is going to work out. And uh, and so so I hung out, talked with them. You know, things got a little bit better. And uh, then we went up to go to go do the gambling. So the way it works, it was Wild Bill's Casino was on there, which is the fake gambling thing where you um, – I mean, it's, it's actual gambling, but it's not for real money. Okay. And basically they give you $500 of fake money. You gamble with that, and then you take that money. The more you win, the more raffle tickets you can buy for the prizes at the end of the We night. had that for our senior night. Yeah, um, we did that same kind of thing for yeah, mine, too. We, yeah, because yeah. we took a boat. Uh, we all went to Seattle and then took a boat for casino night. Yep. And, like, everyone except for you couldn't drink on it. So, like, you know, since we're all kids. Yeah, we ended up um, that night, I believe it was me and somebody else, we were buying raffle tickets off of other people because then you could spend them on prizes. By the way, when you're way saying end out. of the night, that was 2 p.m. yesterday. No, I'm talking about when I was in high school. In high oh, school. okay. I thought you meant yesterday. I'm like, no, no, no. It was still in the afternoon. Greg. No, in high school we had the same kind of thing, but people got a whole bunch of raffle tickets and they didn't understand that they were worth more than than like the two dollars we would give them. So it worked out. Then we got a whole bunch of prizes that were anyway. Um, Aaron is pointing out Greg used to work in radio. Even those holiday parties had had people had to dress up. Why did you think an art museum would be jeans and beanie attire? Yeah, yeah. And I clearly did not think it through. I was so nervous about going to it, I didn't even think about what I was wearing. So, we <laughs> anyway, me, me and my people um, go upstairs and start start uh, gambling. Like, I walked up and I'm like, all right, well, screw it. At this point, I'm going to play some blackjack. And, and I did pretty well at blackjack. I got like eight hands. I went eight hands in a row to start off with. Wow. I eight wish hands it was in a row real money. Not real money. Of not real money. So, it really did me no I good. Don't, that's why I don't like fake casinos because it's like a tease. It's like, all right, well, oh, I did really good. Or I did, you know, I could have won like 3,000 real dollars. Yeah, and that's the only way I think about it. I'm like, okay, well, I should have been, been betting $100 of fake money. And because then I would make, you know, 30 times that. But whatever. Um, so, I'm standing there, I'm doing that. And, and I realized too, I start having flashbacks 
to playing blackjack the first time I went to Vegas because I set my beer on the on the felt. You know, I'm, uh, the entire time I'm there, I'm relaxed a little bit, but my whole thing is just don't mess this up. Don't be the guy that people talk about afterwards. Like, you're very fortunate to even be invited. Everybody's being very nice. They're all awesome people. <laughs> don't mess this up. Don't be the guy that people remember. Don't do that. Do you, nobody wants to be... Like, don't, don't cause a scene. Don't drop a glass on accident. It's not like I was getting drunk or anything. Like, I had a couple of beers, but No, that what was... kind of beers were, were there? Did you have PBR? <laughs> no, it was... Uh, I think it was Widmer and... There were oh, it's a brewers. fancy beer. Yeah, it was nice beer. Yeah, and so... But I'm just like... Whatever you do, don't, like, trip over your feet or don't stumble and, like, do something dumb. Not because I'm drunk, because I would do this sober and where I would make some scene and then everybody would think I was drunk. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, because you're kind of clumsy in life. Yeah, and I started having flashbacks while I'm sitting there at this at the casino playing, um, playing on the table. You know, because I got my beer sitting on there. And I remembered the first time that I went to Vegas, me and my buddies went and played blackjack. And we ended up... <laughs> Between the three of us, we spilled three beers on the same felt. Oh, no, you didn't. We did. I spilled one, just being clumsy. They cleaned that up. Then my buddy spilled one. (laughs) And then I spilled another one. Now, the thing is, we were up a lot of money. So they weren't kicking us off. But they ended up having. real money. No, this was in Vegas. Okay. In Vegas. Okay, gotcha. This This is where I was having flashbacks to that. Oh, God. And then, and at that point, I remember this because they brought the pit boss over and he's just this big, mean, tough looking dude just staring at us with his arms crossed. And like security comes up and then he like waves off security because we were up a bunch of money and we clearly weren't doing it on purpose. We're just idiots. Mm -hmm. So I think the guy was like. They knew they were going to get it back eventually. Yeah, and they knew they would get it back (laughs) and they they ended up getting plenty of money from me that weekend. They they paid for a new felt, I'm sure. Uh, But it was still this thing and i'm sitting there at the table i'm like oh my god don't don't do that here don't do that here don't spill a beer on this guy's felt oh my gosh it'll be a huge thing it'll be a don't do that and because i'm start freaking out about that i start getting nervous and i'm like and then just because i'm nervous i almost spill it because i'm trying to be extra conscious of it mm-hmm. it's just a spiraling effect of complete awkwardness and so i the thing is the bottom line is this though i didn't spill a beer anywhere i didn't drop a glass there was a, there was somebody there. Now this is actually why I didn't want to do this. There Wait, was, did they have actual glass, or were you guys drinking out of like plastic cups? <laughs> it was a fancy party. It was actual glass. Okay, I didn't know. I didn't know if like they didn't allow you guys to have glass on. No, there. it was actual glasses. Wow, that is a fancy party. Usually, most parties I go to, they only serve plastic cups. That, that's what I'm saying. This was pretty damn fancy. Yeah. And there there was somebody that did drop a glass, and <laughs> it happened to be the person who was sober at the party who was just drinking Coca Cola, and then he accidentally dropped a glass. So that was. He's the one that had to deal with that one, so that was that's kind of funny. It's kind of funny. He wasn't drinking at all, and uh, but luckily I did not spill anything, so that was good. I didn't make a fool of myself. You're sure? I'm pretty sure. Okay. I didn't was there win anything, anything that kind of stood out that might have been embarrassing? That might have been like a little fun, you know, like story for someone to say. Other than the fact that I had a stocking cap and then a hole, in, apparently a hole in my jeans. It was a very tiny hole, but yeah, I did a. Did have that. I, I'm sure I'd looked <laughs> out of place, but overall, I think I did a good job. And I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm very proud, Greg. You did a good job at existing as an adult. That yes. was real good. Yes, real good stuff. It was. It was honestly. It was a lot of fun. It ended up being a really good time. Talked to some coworkers that I haven't spoken with before. Kind of everybody relaxed and, and hung out. It was. It was fun. It was. It was. It was a lot of fun. And. Uh, they it's were very out, even generous. Even it was a very small hole in your pants, Greg, it was still a hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In yeah. your jeans. It, it, it was, it was. So, <laughs> I survived. But it was successful. Did you make any new friends? Was it as scary as you thought it would be? No, it was not as scary as I thought it would be. Mm. I did hang out with some people that I haven't really hung out with before. We had fun. Um, I went and uh, <laughs> after we got off, there was one of my coworkers was like, well, let's go do a shot. I'm like, well. All right, let's go do a shot. So, so a group of us went. Hey, and you were walked driving. And... Come on, it was a holiday party. Yeah, yeah. So a group of us walked down. Well, that's and... good. So there was no like liquor or anything. So everyone was no, just there was no beer. liquor on the boat or yeah. anything like that. Um, yeah, some people were trying to buy liquor, but they they did not sell liquor there. Were they trying to bribe people? Yeah, they were trying to. Yeah, I oh, overheard yeah. it. Yeah, there was one girl because they have they had liquor on there, but it was locked up. So I guess that that wasn't part of what they rented it for. And uh, yeah, she was trying to convince. convince when I've the been guy. an extra and it's like filmed at bars. 
uh, like I've seen other extras like try to get the you know the bartenders to be like, hey, I'll give you I'll give you ten bucks if you just give me some whiskey right now. Right. Yeah. 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 No, they're not going to do it that. Worked. Yeah. Well, okay. Maybe maybe it does work sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it was it was really really fun. I, I had a great time and. Um, I did not mess up too bad. Not that you're aware of as of yet. Not that I'm Sometimes aware of. Sometimes people mess up people... and they are not aware of it. Well, I, number one, I was not going to get drunk on there. So I I made sure that. I'm like, it's free, Greg. It's free. You got you to gotta not take it all. But that's uh, so I, I, I maintained very well. I'm proud of you. All right. Uh, it sounds like our guest is going to be here. So mm-hmm. we need to wrap up for a second. We'll be back in a minute with more Fun Employment Radio with Ryan White. Dot com. You're listening to the Fun Employment Radio Network. We're going live. Bucket will do it live. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap! This is this is one of the fanciest books I've ever. seen. I have never life. seen a book this fancy. No, and, and and also it's a book that is created by our friend. Yeah, this is blowing my mind right now. We already talked about how I felt out of place at the uh, holiday party yesterday that I went to. Greg, you're just now surrounding feel, yourself with fanciness right? lately. Yeah, seriously. Now I have to. I I can't even live up to this level of fancy. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us now, our friend who hasn't been on the show for it's been a while. Way, 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 way too long. Way too yes. long. It's been like way that was kind of like mix sound check. Uh, answer. <laughs> wait, 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 It's Ryan White. Hello, sir. Hi, guys. Oh Hi. my god, successful and, published author. This is incredible. And we're talking about Ryan's book, which he's got a copy in here. It is heavy. It's it's amazing. It is something that you have to have physically. No e-version. There is no e-version. Which is badass. It's Springsteen album by album. And I mean, I don't even want to do the description of it. You should probably do it. I can just say this is a it's, this is a piece of art. Yeah, I mean it, it's, it really is. It's almost vinyl album size. Uh, it's four and a half pounds. It's heavy enough that if you fall asleep with it on your chest, you're going to wake up gasping. <laughs> I was trying well. to hand it over to him with one arm. I'm like, I'm kind of struggling right you're now. Brace yourself. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it, it's uh, 288 pages, fully loaded with uh, uh, photos. A, uh, the editor on the on the project, James, uh, a guy over in England named James James Hodgson, put together as we were as I was writing it and he was editing it, uh, put together this just amazingly comprehensive timeline that runs throughout the entire book. Um, it is really you know, and I some somebody asked me. Uh, Somebody asked me right when the book was coming out, uh, I was doing a, a Q&A with somebody, and, and they emailed me all the questions, and they said, where does this book fall in the pantheon of Springsteen books? And I was like, that is just not my place to say. <laughs> wow, uh, you know, yeah. It's like out there, and now other people can decide where it goes and what it does. But Eric Miola, who shot the cover of this, which is the cover of Born to Run, you know, he shot one of the all-time great rock and roll album covers. And he had initially... Uh, you know, they were having a hard time getting the rights to to his work. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was he was really busy. He was doing some transferring stuff, and you, you have to think about all the times that he had been. You know, people had tried to get their hands on his work over the years, right. and you can understand where that would just be. Okay, here comes another person who wants yeah, you know, more, yeah more point, like, more of my work, and I'm really busy, and I don't know if I have time for it. We'll promote and it, your name, man. Yeah, we'll give right. it. Yeah. We don't want to pay for it. We'll do it for exposure. Right. And, and I'm sure they were. I'm, I'm sure they were paying, but still, you know, I mean, I don't know that Eric necessarily, you know, needs needs that money to pay his bills uh, these days. And so because the book was tied to uh, this year being the uh, the 30th anniversary of Born in the USA and next year being the 40th anniversary of Born to Run, the the publisher uh, who who put the book together, uh, Palazzo Editions over in Bath, England, they felt like, well, if we don't get the Miola Your publisher's in Bath? Yeah. Oh, my God. I love... I visited there. Really? Bath is, is a great? beautiful magic. Have, have you been there in person? Uh, no, I haven't. It is the creepiest, most beautiful place I think I've ever seen. Sweet. Because it's a city built on top of a city. And then we did, um, I stayed there for a couple nights and it was, it's gorgeous. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah. And, and so they packaged it and then they sold it to to publishers all over the the world. It's, it's wow. translated into, uh, you can get it translated in, in, into uh, Swiss, French, German, Spanish, and Italian. What? Um, wow. And and, and the U.S. publishers here is in New York, Sterling, which is a, a Barnes & Noble imprint. But so, you know, they were having a hard time with Miola, and they felt like, if we can't get this, maybe we don't have the book. And at that yeah. point, I really needed the book. And my agent kind of stepped in to help, uh, to help kind of smooth waters, and he asked me to write Miola a letter. And so I just basically wrote him a letter, to an email, 
you know, assuring him that I, this wasn't some clown show and that this was, you know, this was, you know, a really important thing to me. And I wasn't just going to be, you know, throwing words half acidly around right. like this around like, his around his work. And yeah. so I think you're taking yeah. it very seriously. Like it's a real. Right. Yeah. And so it got worked out and, and you know, the book came out. And I, I'm, I'm looking on Facebook one day, and there's – because Eric Miola is friends with a couple of people I know on Facebook, one of his posts popped up, and he had gotten back from a trip uh, to the Great Plains doing some, some outdoor shot, shooting and stuff like that and was just raving about the book. Oh, wow. and, 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 then, and then he went on Amazon after it came out and called it like the best combination of words and pictures that have ever been done on Bruce. Wow. And now I'm just like – you know, embarrassed but grateful, and uh, and and which is a long way of saying you know I have no idea where it fits in the pantheon of Bruce books. Yeah, but yeah, because there are there there are an intimidating number of of, of Bruce books out there, but you know, people seem to be really digging it, and it's been it's been a a, a fantastic experience rolling it out these last couple of months. So, well, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Greg. Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, you're talking about the... Yeah, I want to hear about the whole story of how this happened. But, I mean, just really quick about the book with the photography. So it is. It's it's essentially like, for somebody who has never seen this, how would you describe what this book is? Oh, I mean, it's... I mean, it's a coffee table book. But, I mean, I, I think oftentimes that's associated with far more art mm. uh, than than words necessarily. And I, I think, you know, I think the final word count was between 55,000 and 60,000 words. And we just go chronologically through Springsteen's career. There's a there's a uh, chapter that covers birth until greetings from Asbury Park, New Jersey, and there's a short afterward. Peter Ames Carlin, who wrote the 2012 biography Bruce, does Love the Peter does the Carlin. foreword. Oh yeah, to it, and, uh, and and it just runs through. And and what I tried to do because there was a freak out moment where first you're excited that you've got this book, and then it's like. How do I write a Bruce Springsteen book? There have been so many Bruce Springsteen books written. What do I do? And uh, what I tried to do was was connect some dots with you know the magic of of hindsight and research and being able to go in and look at you know everything as it was presented at the time. Peter gave me access to all of his notes from his biography. Wow! Uh, all of those interviews. And you know, can I kind of you know really hit the points that draw out how this kind of scrawny shore rat with a bad beard became this uh this granite jawed avatar of americanness and like yeah. decency and joy throughout the world and so you know one of the great things that the photo people did is they went through and you know there's a uh, there's a booking shot of uh of that gangster the chicken man from uh, atlantic city there's old movie shots from from movies that had influenced bruce uh excuse me, movie posters, stuff like that. And so they did a really good job with pictures, kind of helping draw out what I was trying to do. There's some you know, great James Brown pictures in there and stuff like that nice. because James Brown was obviously a huge influence, the, the Tammy show. Uh-huh. And you know, Bruce watching that over and over again where he, uh, you know, you know, the poor Rolling Stones had to follow that. Right. And, uh, yeah. you know, we were sitting around watching it a couple of years ago. I was like, man. The only thing the Stones can respond with are songs that they're not going to write for another six years. <laughs> <laughs> Knocked them off a little bit. <laughs> so what did inspire you? You know, you said that you've read a lot of books about Bruce and, uh, you know, and there was a lot of literature out there. What inspired you to make this specific book with, you know, with the images and the language and going through all of the albums consecutively? Opportunity presented itself, really. I mean, they were, they were going to do this book. They, uh, they asked Peter to do this book at first and Peter sent me a text one day and this must have been March 13 probably and and Peter sent me a text and he it said send me everything you've you've written about Bruce and I was like chasing a a, a kid with with you know in one hand with my phone in the other and I was like I think you just wrote the new definitive biography on Springsteen I don't think you need anything that I've written yeah. right on Bruce and he said just shut up and send it to me and I'll tell you why later <laughs> okay and so I did and he told me that you know that he couldn't do it, but he was gonna he was gonna suggest to them that that they have me do it, and that I would have access to all of his his reporting from the bio. And I thought, man, I, I told him this. I said, "This is so nice of you," but they wanted New York Times bestselling author Bruce Peter Ames Carlin, and you just gave them a chump in Oregon that nobody's ever heard of. So I'm gonna buy you <laughs> beer. Your faith in me is is kind, and this isn't gonna work out. But thank you. <laughs> and then like. Five days later, I got to pick up the phone and call Peter because I get an email from from the folks over at Palazzo, which is basically contract terms. And I was like, I, and I, I, now I call Peter and I go, okay, I am looking at an email that is definitely written in English and I don't know what it says. And he goes, 
well, we got to get you an agent. And so he hooked me up with a friend of his who's a lit agent in New York. Wow. Um, so this is just all like spiraling like this. Yeah. I mean, this is a big, real, right. real Tangible deal. Tangible thing. Yeah. You know? yeah. and, and now I'm starting to freak out. And so I've got this agent in New York, which is a cool thing to be able to say that, right. say that you have. <laughs> like a publisher you know, in Bath. Yeah. I, you know, I, I went through like a week of turning to my wife and saying, you know, you're going to have to talk to my agent. And like, and, you know, then ducking beer bottles and, and glasses and, and stuff. And and so my agent, you know, jumped in and did exactly what uh, what you know any good agent is going to do. He he upped the advance about seventeen percent, which was a two percent nice. raise for me, and covered his fifteen. And <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, and then you know, and then suddenly the papers were there, and you know, I went out with Peter, and I started to try and talk my way out of it. And then you know, being a good friend, and Peter. He yelled at me uh, at Bar Bar over before we were going to see a show at Mississippi Studios for not respecting my talent and not doing this and not doing that. It was, you know, it was the kind of thing that we should that all was kind hope. of the kick in the ass yeah. that you might have needed, huh? Yeah, and and so I was like, okay, and we signed it, and that was you know I went back and looked at this a couple of months ago, and I was working on an essay uh, about writing the book. Uh, so that was in May, kind of mid mid to late May thirteen. Mm-hmm. And then mid-June come the layoffs at the Oregonian. Mm. Which so, is where you were working. Right, which is where I was working at the time. And, you know, we were told, you know, hey, you're not coming along with us on this new journey into the digital age, but you still have to work for us for, <laughs> for nine weeks to get your severance. That's which, yeah, which is just, yeah, it, it, it's, it's ugly and it's no fun. And I wouldn't wish any of it on anyone. But it did make for a great essay when the book came out because now – you're writing a book about a guy who's been, you know made his entire career writing about people losing their jobs. You're yeah. like you're like a yeah. character in a song that you're studying and writing about. And <laughs> like I love darkness on the edge of town in ways that I never imagined I would like darkness yeah. on the edge of town before that whole thing happened. And I loved that record to begin with, but yeah. you know, it was like as I was, you know, I was driving home after, you know, being told that I was being laid off. And it was June, so it, you know, it should have been a decent day, but it's we you get a light rain. And I'm listening to E Street Radio. And the promise comes on, which is like, you know, it was it wasn't officially released until I guess it came out on an extra disc for the uh, the box set in the late nineties. But it finally was a big part of the uh, the darkness on the edge of town box set that they put out a couple of years ago. And it's like the you know it's the sequel to Thunder Road, where you know on down Thunder Road, it turns out none of those dreams came true. They were crushed by. Uh, <laughs> But crushed by the reality of life, and instead of that, like you know, big hopeful sax solo where you feel like anything is possible, you know, there's you know, when the promise was broken, I was far away from home, sleeping in the back seat of a borrowed car, and <laughs> that's very real. And I just started laughing. I was just like, really, this, <laughs> this song now? <laughs> and it's raining, and like there's a line in there about the tires rushing by in the rain, and which is like really you're when you think about home it, home from getting yeah. laid off, like. <laughs> You think about it. Is there like a sadder sound than like tires in the rain? Like, it's just... oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that's pretty. But then that was like leading toward your future. Yeah, no, yeah. how I very mean, telling. That's yes. really cool. But uh, you know, at the time, you're just like, you know, you're kind of on your heels a little bit, and uh, and and so yeah. By the time things settled down, it almost seems like you're in a cliche at that moment yeah. too. I'm yeah. sure. Oh, just god. like yeah. really, really, this is happening. <laughs> yeah, you know, and then secretly I'm... being punked for this entire <laughs> yeah. thing. Like, <laughs> Well, now that now that it's come out, I mean, and it's crazy. That it's in so many different languages and all that stuff. I can imagine you're doing a lot of interviews and going around and, and getting phone calls all the time to talk about it. Is that? Yeah, we did a. Uh, I, I did a, a stack of radio starting uh, his 65th birthday was in uh, late September, which was about two weeks before the the book came out, mm. and I, it was so. Awkward because everybody was having me on. I did like ten interviews, radio interviews that day, starting at like six in the morning and just right in, in a row, Pittsburgh. Kinda. Yeah, I actually I, I had a uh, I had a media limo driver back in New York who was. I just stayed on the line with her and she connected me from station to station. Like, <laughs> oh I, wow! I, I, I will never like I will you know. And I've been on the please hold for Mr. White. <laughs> it was like that, and she would she would send me you know little pop up emails like, okay, you need to wrap this one up. You've got the next one to go to, and I have to like you know. Elegantly try and get myself out of the morning rock block in in Youngstown, Ohio, so that I can get to like Colorado Springs wow. and, uh, and and stuff like that. And I will never, you know, I've been on the other end of those things where you're talking to people, and you know, the publicist is, <clears throat> you know, you have 15 minutes, and then right. they, they poke in, and you know that you're just like 
X interview, you know, you know, seventh interview of fourteen yep. that that somebody's knocking out that day. Mm. Yeah, answering the same questions. Yeah, and and it never thing. seemed to me that it would be that that exhausting, and it is incredibly exhausting. And I, the last one I did, I remember I taped a a KUFO interview here in Portland, like one thirty, and I had I hadn't eaten yet. I'd had like two pots of coffee and hadn't eaten any food, and I had to pick up my kid from school at three. Uh, and my kids, you know, school is right next to a uh, right next to a bar, and so I was just like, "Well, I'm, I'll just go up there and get a burger." And uh, so I go up, I get a burger, and I have a couple of beers, and it starts raining, and I walk out to go pick her up, and all the parents have decided to to drive to pick their kids up, and they're all lining the street, and they all walk me walk wa- watch me walk out of the twilight room and into the pre K room <laughs> at the Catholic school. <laughs> You're keeping it classy. Dad of the year. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Dad of the year. So um, this is your first book, right? Yes. So what was it like? Because I know you had, um, you've had one, if not multiple, book signings. Yeah. Um, really, just one. We did the just we did one. we, and it wasn't so much a, a signing as we did a party at uh, at Mississippi Pizza. You know, I I had no idea what I was going to do, and Dan Eichler, who books over there. Was nice enough to uh, to just send me an email. I was like, "Hey, can we throw you a party?" Mm-hmm. And I said, "Yeah." And so, you know, I emailed uh, some musicians, and they all uh, uh, they they put together you know some versions of of songs from four different points and in Bruce's career. And then I kind of tailored the readings to lead into the songs that they were doing. That's amazing, and it worked fantastically. And the place was you know the place was packed, and because it wasn't a it wasn't a bookstore, I had to order. The books to sell, and then of course the books didn't get there on time. Oh. And uh, but my mom, my mom and dad flew out, and so it was like we just had like a literal mom and mom and pop store. I gave my mom the iPad with the square, and I just said, you know, if anybody would like to pre-order, uh, my mom's in the back, and she'll sell you a book, <laughs> and then and then I will deliver it to you when they come in, and you know, we'll I'll sign them then. And so I spent like a, you know a week driving them around, and you know, met a met a number of people who I actually you know. The, the the weird thing about it was to look out there and the place was packed and to see people that you didn't know. That's what I was going to yeah. say. Like, and that, was it you know, strange? Like, talk to people who know you because of what you created, not because yeah. of, you know, like, meeting you on the street or anything. Yeah. I mean, the, the fun thing about, you know, about this book and, and Bruce especially is people have Bruce stories. He's not a guy who's exactly, you know, he doesn't hide himself from the world. Yeah. And when you have a career this long and you have fans who have been fans this long, you have a, a lot of people have had interactions with them, a lot of you know, good interactions, or, or, or just stories about how the music has impacted them, and, and mostly through the interviews and, and you know, the process of, of just being public and, and pushing the book out there, you hear a lot of really cool stories from people. You know, oh, yeah, he bought me a beer, and we just, like, wandered into a bar, and he was there with some guys, and, yeah. you know, sat there, you know, chatting and stuff. And it was like, you know, I, I go back to Michael Wilson, who's a, a crime reporter for the New York Times, who used to write for the Oregonian here. He had gone to Iraq... Uh, and embedded with somebody kind of early in the uh, the beginning of, of all of this stuff. I guess it was probably 2002, 2003. And uh, he had come back, and he was, you know, goes into a bar in Midtown, Manhattan, and Bruce is sitting there with a couple of buddies. And they're just chatting, and, you know, Mike comes in, sits down, doesn't bother him, just sitting there at the bar, orders his beer, and Bruce's like, so what do you do? And so Mike <laughs> tells him, and, and, you know, I just got back from Iraq, and I was, you know, right for the New York Times, and they started talking about that. Bruce bought him a beer, and wow, you know, and 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 it's it's been a lot of fun hearing you know other people's stories about the whole thing, and you know, be it you know disc jockeys that have been in the business forever, mm-hmm. you know, that were playing him before anybody else was was thinking about it, or you know, people who just got into him, you know, in recent years. It's, yeah, you know, everybody's got a story from a show or, or now something I gotta like ask, that. Do you have a Bruce story? Yeah, yeah. Can you tell Bruce it? Yeah. <laughs> can I tell it? I can, almost, I, I, I can almost make it sound like the first time I've ever told it. <laughs> no, this is the first time Ryan has ever Okay, we're in the radio it. block. We've got three minutes left. <laughs> no, I was, it, was, uh, it was 2008. I was, uh, I was still covering sports for the Oregonian, and uh, me and Jim Brunberg, who is kind of the founder of Mississippi Studios, and Brian Steelman, who owns the two Porqué Nose, had decided uh, – uh, well, Jim and I were going to go to all three shows. Bruce played, what was it? It was Portland on a Friday night, Seattle on a Saturday night, Vancouver, B.C. on a Monday night. Okay. And so Jim and I were going to go to all three. Brian was going to join us for uh, Seattle and Vancouver. And so Portland show's great. Pick up Brian the next morning. Rush up to Seattle. Get ourselves 
front and center. We get lucky enough with the lottery to get down into what they call the pit. Nice. So front and center, right in front of Bruce, to the point where, like, during Born to Run, where he does a little deal where he dips the, uh, you know, kind of dips the guitar down, mm. down for everybody. We're, we're pounding on the guitar and, <laughs> and stuff like that. And Brian had never seen Bruce before, so I look at him afterwards, like, what do you think? And he goes, I just want to call my mom and tell her that I love her. <laughs> and the next day we get up and we uh, we head to Vancouver at which point Brian realizes that the Foo Fighters are playing there on Sunday night and at the time Nate Mendel was living here in Portland their, uh, their bass player yeah. and, and Brian uh, he and Brian snowboarded together up on Mount Hood a bunch and so Brian just calls up you know Nate and says hey we're, we're gonna be uh, we're in Vancouver tonight I saw you guys are here you know, you want to get, you know, got time for a beer after the show or something? I'll just send you, I'll, I'll hook you up with passes. And so we, uh, we show up at the show and it's like, it's, you know, it's the all access. Nice. Everything. We just that never up. gets old. No, you know? yeah. no, never. it's fun. And we just walk backstage and, you know, Nate isn't around. So we ask somebody who turns out to be the tour manager and he goes and gets Nate off the bus and Nate takes us into the dressing room where like Dave Grohl is just jumping up and down in place. <laughs> And he sees three people he doesn't know, and so he just stops and sticks his hand and goes, Hi, I'm Dave. <laughs> Clearly. Uh, <laughs> I knew that. <laughs> so somebody's like, I need a drink. He goes, That's a good idea. Let's go drink. And so, then, you know, d- to be at that level means you have two dressing rooms the real one and then the drinking dressing room. <laughs> yeah. That had like a giant, giant road case that. Grohl just stuck a laptop on and opened up the road case, and it was two huge speakers, and he started playing ACDC and running around pouring uh, shots of Crown Royal and solo cups for everybody. And like, so he hands it to this woman, and she's like, what is this? He goes, don't ask. Drink. <laughs> and, and so in the meantime, on the off night, Bruce is there with like Max Weinberg, and I think Roy Bitten was there, wow. and uh, Gary Talent. And, uh, you know, I happened to see, you know, Bruce is coming down out of Against Me was one of the openers. Oh, uh, I love me some Against Me. Bruce was coming down out of their dressing room, and I saw him. And one of the things I always remember was, like, and I felt bad, but I, I figured, one, how many more, oppor- you know, how many other opportunities do you ever have? Mm. Right. Two, I'm drunk. Um, <laughs> But, you know, it was his night off. He was backstage. He was away from everything. You know, he shouldn't have to be on. And, right. and, I, and I felt bad about it. But he saw me see him and kind of take, you know, that first tentative step in his direction and just gave me this very welcoming, hey. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, you know, he, he signed a quick autograph on the ticket stub from Seattle. And we would go head out to the uh, – I head out to the side of the stage for the Foo Fighters set and look over and there's Bruce just standing next to us for like half the show. Wow. Watching the Foo Fighters with us. Oh, that's great. And then he like about halfway through, he, he goes and he heads in some other direction. Show ends, house lights come up and uh, we're standing there still at the side of the stage waiting to, to go back and Bruce and his people come back by us. And I was like, yeah, see you tomorrow night. And he goes, any requests? I was like, oh, yeah. Um, oh, what is it? The uh, – it's like the third song on the extra disc from the essential, none but the brave. He goes, oh, it's a tough one. <laughs> Have a good night, and uh, and and heads off into the into the night. And so we, uh, you know, we we spend the next day uh, kind of putzing around Vancouver. We realize that uh, Los Lobos is playing in town the night after the Brew Show, and so Jim calls Steve Berlin, who uh, who lives here in town too, who's their sax player, and. Uh, and producer, and they're in town a night early, so we try, we get an extra ticket, and now Steve Berlin is with us at the Bruce show after we'd been hanging out with the Foo Fighters. And about <laughs> midway through the show, Bruce is like, you know, so I met this fellow last night, and you know, asked him if he had any requests. And I was like, Request this obscure song. It's an outtake from Born in the USA, and everybody cheers. He's like, No, no you're not going to know it. It's an outtake. It's an obscure song, and. Uh, Turned out it was like the first time that he'd ever played it with the E Street Band, and wow. so he counts it off, and they they nail it, and wow. you know Berlin's impressed, and you know like we're sitting around uh, sitting around in the hotel until three in the morning drinking tequila and eating pizza, and Berlin saying things like, "No, I was there the night Robert Plant met Alison Krauss." <laughs> like, how does this weekend happen? <laughs> wow, you know, that and sounds I, so like the surreal ul- on yeah, so many levels. The ultimate rock right. band weekend, like. right? And I get I get home the next day, and you know, like, I'm all it's thrilled and excited and, and you know my wife's like hey can you take the garbage out I was like no I'm a rock star she's like no you're not <laughs> take out the garbage it's like almost famous too <laughs> well, Bruce doesn't take out the garbage <laughs> oh my god so wow. that's my Bruce story that is <laughs> an awesome. amazing story <laughs> and then here you are what five years later with this 
Yeah. Amazing thing. What the amazingness. So where where would you send people when the, when they want to go get their copies? Where's the easiest place to start? These days, it's online. On the internet? Um, yeah. Uh, you know, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Uh, Powell's has some uh, in their remote warehouse at okay. the moment. We sold out of all the, the stores around town, I've been told. Um, awesome. The the price, you know, and, and you know, I, I would love to, to tell people to go to independent bookstores and, you know, but one, they seem to be out of them. Mm. And two, like Amazon and Barnes and Noble have it for like 17, 16, 17 bucks. Wow. Which is like my neighbor asked me a, a couple of weeks ago, so are you going to feel bad if we don't buy your book? I was like, no, you don't have to buy my book. He's like, you know, I just don't have 50 bucks. I was like, it's like 15 right now yeah, on Amazon. He's like, like, well, I'll order, I'll order your book. Well, and the quality of that for that low amount of money is ridiculous. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. That's, I mean, a, that's I, cheaper than like a, a regular size, like a hardcover book. This is a work of art. We're looking at this right now. It's beautiful. Yeah, it was, it was funny. I was, I was, uh, I, I did a, another thing here in town in person and the, the guy was like, hey, will you sign the, will you sign the cover of my book? And I was like, Why? <laughs> <laughs> like the actual front cover? Yeah, like the, the front cover. He's like, well, there's really good white space there. I was like, but I, I can do it on the inside it's without ruining the outside. <laughs> <laughs> Art, it's, you- it's still weird to me that people like, you know, used to like, you know, having people go, you know, if you write on that, you have to buy it. And now like there, people are willingly, like, hey, will you meet me and write in my book? Yeah. It wow. doesn't make any sense to me still. Uh, it's it's a ton of fun. It, it's everything about it has been... Uh, you know, I I assume that there are people who have bad book rollouts and bad experiences, and I've you know, so I do not you know. In fact, I know some people who have who have had that happen, and I do not take for granted uh, for one second how much fun and how easy this has been. I uh, there there were one or two moments where I was doing all the radio interviews where I was like, I wanted to make some kind of snarky. Twitter comment about it, and I was like, "No, mm-hmm. yeah. don't, no, don't, don't do that. Don't just enjoy it. Don't That's when that you guy. have to rein yeah. that in. That's good. Yeah. Yep. See, and you know, and all your you know years of being working in the jobs that you have have prepared you for that, yeah. for the other side. Because sometimes you know somebody who's just new to it wouldn't have known to just keep your mouth shut, right? And right. Just keep going. Well, I, don't just, say anything negative. <laughs> you know, just superstitious enough too to not want to jinx. It's like, oh, I'll say exactly. something, and then suddenly nobody's ever going to ask me to do anything right. again. That'll be the only <laughs> thing they know you for. Like, <laughs> Well, Springsteen, album by album by Mr. Ryan White. Yes, indeed. Available at Amazon. Amazon. Oh, which we have an Amazon link on our Fun Employment Radio page. That's true. You can go there, click on that link, and then buy a Springsteen You're album. You're supporting Do that. two? Yes. Three yeah. people all at the same time. You are my favorite independent bookstore. <laughs> <laughs> you guys. Fun Employment, yes. fun employment Books. Yes. That's us. <laughs> Well, thank right. you, Ryan. Yeah. That time hey, went by so fast. Thanks. It was a blast. Thank you. It's so good to see you guys. Oh, it's always wonderful. Congrats, congrats to you too. guys. Anniversaries this oh, year and all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. congrats uh, all around. We're all yeah. happy. Hell it's been yeah. a great year. I know. I wish I had some more like rock star stories to bring up, but that's okay. <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed Ryan's. That's what 15 You have for. what now. Yeah. You just met Ryan. So that's true. Go. I met Ryan. 15's for making rock star stories. There you go. Send us an email, funemploymentradio at gmail.com. Give us a call, 503-575-9120. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Fun Employment Radio. You guys are fantastic. We love you all. We absolutely do and uh, appreciate it so much. Um, we will be back tomorrow with some more Fun Employment Radio. Bye. Thank you, Ryan. Ryan White. Thank Springsteen, you. Springsteen, album by album. Yeah. Spike, try.